Biomedics, you can see the biomedics booth behind. Now, you guys are in a lot of stuff. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of vendors that are here that are in risk adjustment space, in the in the quality space. I see that you guys do the the pad testing, which I think is fantastic. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people's lives saved and limbs saved with the pad testing. But you guys are also in behavioral health, so that's a that's a very interesting mix because usually vendors that do pad testing are not necessarily in the behavioral health space. Uh, tell us a little bit about your role with biomedics and, and just some of the evolution of some of the products that you offer. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a great question. So um, biomedics has been doing PAD testing for over 20 years. So um, our newest product really focused on the value-based care space. Okay. Took that ABI or that PAD testing down to about two minutes, and we saw an opportunity to add more modalities on top. What nice. really kind of spurred um, this interest in behavioral health is um, obviously, it involves risk adjustment, but when you think about the whole health of the patient, uh, behavioral health does impact their, their actual health, so behavioral Definitely. health is health. Um, what I thought was interesting, um, I always thought in the back of my head is, well, if someone has depression, let's say, right. they're typically going to make poor decisions uh, on their lifestyle. They're not going to go to the doctor, they're not going to eat well, they're going to smoke, they're going to make other poor decisions about their health. And, that's, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause because that is so important. And it's been exacerbated by COVID. Um, yep. There's so many people that have faced depression, have never faced depression at the level prior to COVID with the lockdowns. Um, I talk freely on the show. I lost my mother to COVID. And I went through a period of, of extreme depression. Uh, lost yep. my COVID, uh, lost my mom pretty suddenly to COVID as well. And, and she was healthy, um, not someone that we would have expected to lose. And you go through that suffocating darkness and I went through, I'm, I'm very comfortable talking about it. That's why I asked you. I went through a period um, after burying my mother where I laid in bed for three weeks. Uh, ba- barely got out of bed, barely showered, barely changed, barely ate anything uh, to where getting into week three, I said, I've got to get some help. I've got to go to counseling. And I, I started grief counseling yeah. and really things have been better since then. So even me, someone who is a healthy 43-year-old, um, enjoying, love my career, you know, I get, to, I get to go to Rise and talk to people like you for a living and then yeah. drive around and, and go to football games and stuff like that. After experiencing the loss, I was not myself for, for quite some time. Imagine people who are elderly who have, you talk about the pad crowd, we're talking about people that have limited mobility, people that are, are in complex illness, um, that, that are, some of them maybe even terminal, some of them heading towards hosp- hospice, some of them heading towards end-stage renal. The depression for that cohort is so much higher than other cohorts, and then throwing COVID on top of that, throwing the, the financial worry, throwing the isolation, um, that just must be an amazing vortex of chronic conditions to do. That's, that's why I think it's very interesting oh, yeah. that you're looking at 
what's obvious, you know, you could do a pad test and, and see if there's circulation and things like that and try to treat it if possible. But really getting into the behavioral health element, if someone doesn't feel good mentally, they're not going to do the things that they need to feel good physically. And well, I think that that's so important. What's interesting is I was talking to a uh, head of cardiology at a medical group, and we were talking about behavioral health and the, the decision we made to integrate behavioral health into our point of care diagnostics uh, platform. And what he told me was, uh, you know, Chris, you have a good point. If someone has depression, they're not going to make these good choices. But actually, when you have a disease like PAD, um, it messes up your body chemistry and can actually cause depression. And I never thought about it that way. Um, it's so kind of chicken kind of or the egg. Eye-opening right. for me, too. Yeah, exactly. Right, because your blood's not circulating. You're not, you're not getting, you know, you're having infection that's, that's bubbling up and, and things like that. No, I think that's very interesting. Now, Chris, tell me about your personal trajectory in your career is kind of how how did you get into the roles what are some of the things that you've held every time I come here I've been covering rise this is my third year covering rise I've never ever talked to an executive that said when I was nine years old I said to my parents I want to be a risk <laughs> adjustment yeah yep I want to learn the H uh, I want to learn the v22 model for for HCC <laughs> I want to I want to I want to get the coefficient for pad and it's a high coefficient and, and understand how multiplying that 0.3 and change coefficient by the bid is so much value to the plan. Nobody, nobody's thinking about that when they're, when they're young. How did you get into this field and uh, what are some of the steps that you took? Yeah, so I have a, a background in marketing. So I've been doing marketing for financial services, technology, um, always kind of interested in medical devices, actually uh, doing marketing for hearing aids for a while oh, too. Okay. So coming over to biomedics, pretty small company. Um, we had this brand new opportunity. And one thing I always like doing is uh, uh, is uh, building something from scratch. And that's what we did with Biomax Exchange is there's um, a, chronic conditions drive a lot of the cost of care. And by identifying chronic conditions earlier and managing them, right. you can save money and you can actually help people, which help people uh, have really extension of life so. and, and quality of life. I think I'm so I'm a payer guy. I mean, it's before I got into doing this show and my own consulting practice. You know, I spent many years on the payer side, you know, working in the blues. And to me, as a quality executive, I can't. So if you're if somebody's getting into end stage renal, I can't stop them from that. But if I can delay that by five years, you know, from uh, CKD stage three to end stage renal, I've added value to their life. You know, I've added mobility. You know, with pad, if you can find out that someone has a circulatory issue, you know, you might be able to save a limb. Uh, maybe you might be able to delay a limb being, you know, amputated. You might be able to delay a stroke. You might be able to delay a cardiac uh, event from from pad as people have. You can't stop someone from from descending with their health. But if you can stretch it out four or five years, that person can have more time with their family, more time being mobile, and all of those things. Now. Also, see that you are doing um, diabetic eye exams. Yep. And mm -hmm. I think that that's very interesting. As someone that's a heated guy, that you know, I'm looking at pad. I'm looking at diabetic eye exams. I'm looking at multiple star measures being closed. The eye exactly. exam is so important, and people kind of eschew the exam. I think that seniors should be having an exam, whether they're diabetic or not, uh, because there's macular degeneration or other conditions that are not diabetic retinopathy. Uh, but tell us about your your iris uh, program and, and what you're doing with diabetic eye exams. Yeah, we uh, we we approach 
virus um, because we're looking for uh, the ability, you know, thinking about diabetes, there's so many different uh, complications that come as a result of it and screening for those different complications. And to your point, finding those complications and those chronic conditions associated with diabetes right. uh, can help them make good uh, lifestyle choices. Absolutely. Yeah, walking, exercise therapy, right. nutritional counseling, and things like that. Right. Um, what we really liked about the Iris platform was two things. First of all, the camera that they have is really portable. So it's something that you don't need to do in a clinic. You can go okay. into the person's home, and we just see a lot more that's of valuable. healthcare being you know, delivered in a retail environment. And that's valuable from the HEDIS perspective, because I've, I've literally been at a plan uh, for HEDIS. I said, if I had a CDO, I would drive the bus and, and, you know, you have these mobile buses that have these diabetic eye cameras everywhere. I was like, I would drive it if I had a, a CDO license. Oh, um, yeah. Because it's, you, we're getting into, I was just telling, I was interviewing Greg Lee from here in Episource. I was telling him about my experience with telehealth. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, so many of the vendors here are really investing in telehealth platforms. Yep. I had never used telehealth until a couple of weeks ago. You know, I had like a poison ivy type of rash. Oh, I see. Um, I, I did a telehealth with a doctor. I was on the doctor. I talked to him for five minutes. He was prescribing in a very basic prescription. Um, it was at Walgreens before I could get there. I went and got it. I took it. It was a seven-day script. I was fine. Um, it was such a convenient issue. And I think bringing HEDIS to the member, bringing mammography to the member, bringing the, the diabetic eye exam to the member, things like that. That's really, really important in, in, in your strategy of, of making these things very easy, you know, the pad testing, the, the eye exam. How do you get that to a member? How do you get that to, to where it's easy to take that test as opposed to a member having to schedule with a specialist, an elderly member, and maybe driving 30 minutes, maybe driving 40 minutes, oh, or yeah, having exactly. someone drive them. If, you know, my grandmother who I take care of doesn't drive anymore, so I would have to drive her. Um, so I think, I think bringing those things to the member is very valuable. Yeah, and we think so too. So um, yeah, we, we see just more of it happening in the home and there's reasons, you know, uh, patients don't have time. Right. Um, you know, and I think more and more retired people are working now too. You know, both my parents are retired and they're working part-time. Right. And you think about a lot of doctor's offices, they're not open at night. They're not right. open on the weekends. Right. So trying to get some of this routine right. screening done, uh, you kind of have to think about, well, what works on their schedule? So this in-home uh, assessment, uh, we really looked for technologies that were easy to use, objective, and, and quick. Because we know, uh, you know that member, they may be okay with that, that nurse practitioner being right. in the home, but they don't want to be sitting with them for three hours. So yeah. Right. Yep. No, it makes a lot of sense. Now, how much success have you had as far as penetration rates in a post-COVID society? Because with COVID, people are a little bit leery about letting someone into their home. You know, I know that the in-home assessment vendors that really do the full 60-minute um, workup, um, before COVID, those penetration rates were 30%, 28%. Now they're 17 16%. Yeah. Um, what are, do you have a call center? How do you, how do you schedule an appointment with the So vendor? we don't actually do the services. Oh, okay. Uh, so we work with uh, the service providers. Oh, okay. We're simply a technology company. I think one of the big changes we saw from uh, COVID. Smart model. Excuse me? Smart model. Yeah, yep, exactly. We are Switzerland. So right. a so number of service providers right. use us, and they really like our uh, decentralized platform. Um, but what was it? Uh, you know, one of the things that we saw was uh, spirometry. So mm -hmm. identifying COPD um, really kind of went away with COVID. Um, mm. It was, I think, a combination between the member being scared 
and the provider being scared. Well, think about it. I mean, COVID attacks the, the ability to breathe. So, I mean, if you already have COPD, those are the people that are most susceptible to COVID. That's, that's one of the rough things about COVID because the people that were most susceptible to diabetic, the person with COPD, the morbidly obese, those are the people that really couldn't have someone around them during COVID because it was a much higher risk. And, yep. and we've seen in healthcare, we've seen people that have deferred healthcare for two or three years have serious complications um, because those are people that already had serious issues that were going on. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. And then you couple it with the fact that the negative impact, um, you know, this isolation right. and lack of uh, Isolation was really brutal. Yeah. That's even, have- even friends like kids and, and people that normally would bounce back. I mean, I just think that that was a period in American history, I think we'll all look back on and say that was just a really rotten period. And, and what can we do to make sure that, that never happens again? Oh, I mean, it's yeah, so, yeah. so difficult to be isolated. Um, it's hard on all of us. That's why I love being out here at Rise and, and at the conventions, you know, with my colleagues and, and things like that, because it's um, not having that for, for almost three years. It's really, really difficult. It's really, really. Difficult. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely great to be back in person right. and, and seeing the people that we, we know right. and love. So, yeah, right. it's definitely great. James Lewis. Shout out to all them guys, man. Rashid Wallace, you know, you know, Katino Mobley, you know, um, Sean Red Smith, Terrell Stokes, you know, all of those guys. A lot of them are um, Philadelphia legends when it comes mm-hmm. to the basketball. Right. You know, but I drop real numbers on them. <laughs> so what would that make me? <laughs> Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Are you jamming people up? Are you crossing people up? All of that. Are you? Or is all of the above? Yeah, I was. I was um, similar to Iverson. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. It's time to switch to T-Mobile. Right now, pay zero cost when you do. Keep your number and keep your phone. We'll even pay it off. Only at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Yo, this is your boy Lance J, a.k.a. the Paragon of Sports Talk Excellence, a.k.a. the Heisenberg of Broadcast Radio, a.k.a. the Wolf of Wall Street. Listen to me weekdays now at 11 a.m. on WOL 95.9 FM in the DMV, Brought to you by our partners at Episource, the nation's leader in healthcare analytics and strategic support for Medicare risk adjustment programs.